Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Velux XC. Juvederm Velux XC is an ejectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Velux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Actung, actung, it's James Holland here and welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Now, in today's podcast, we've got a very special guest because a few weeks ago, I travelled up to Penrith in the Lake District to visit Matt McKinnon-Patterson, who is an amazing veteran of the Second World War. He fought in Italy, first with the Argyll and Sutherland Highlanders, and then right at the end of the war with the SAS in Northern Italy. Um, And he was absolutely fascinating. Now, one of the things that we saw before, before we went into battle, maybe about the third battle, we watched as the Air Forces bombed the casino, casino town yeah the, the, the bomb casino town with the, with the new zealanders in there yeah. the kiwis they bombed the monastery yeah while we, while we were still in the front line there you know before i when when we just got up, we saw the polish flag go up on the on, on the monastery yeah amazing and everybody cheers you know yeah but uh oh, you remember that do you i remember that yeah and i in later life, I'm uh, working in a London office, draftsman. There's a, a Polish chap there. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, I said, oh, I remember. I said, I said, tell you, I was at casino. Oh, I said, I said we, we felt sorry for you bounders going up there. He said, we felt sorry for you lot down there. <laughs> I said, you were getting 
stunk to hell. Yeah. See, we weren't we weren't getting any more artillery up there. Mm. So that was that anyway. And it must have been absolute carnage down in the Leary Valley, wasn't it? I don't know. You don't see carnage. Don't you? No. You just hear lots of shells and whistling no, over. Yeah, but you only see the individuals. Right. Like the one chap I saw when we first arrived there and started trying to make our way. It was a chap from one of the other platoons. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's lying on his back and he's saying, uh, said, undo me belt, undo me belt. And I, I said to this, this old soldier who was with me, I said, I'll go and undo his belt. He said, no, you don't. He said, he's on under a fixed line. That's why he got shot. Jerry's got a machine gun up there. That he just goes and presses the trigger, fires across there right. every so often. In other words, you, you take the risk. You say, if you go and do that, you'll get a blooming belly full of well, bullet. So you didn't. So, so we had to leave him. Another one was, um, when I'm coming back from my sortie up near the German line, mm-hmm. machine gun, I'm uh, I'm walking along, because it's all, the, the battle's gone on a bit now. Yeah. And I'm walking back to get back, and I hear something talking, and I go over to one of the big ditches, and I look down, and there's two stretcher bearers down there with a bloke on it. And they said, is it all right to come out? I said, yes, come on. I said, they're clear. So they came out. Oh, and one of our lot came out looking for me, uh, Harry Harry, hmm. Glasgow boy. He came out looking for me. So Harry and I helped them up. We got this chap up on a stretcher. They started walking. And Harry went over to the bloke and he, and he felt him. He said, he said, you're wasting your time. He said, you might as well leave him here. He's dead. So we just dropped him there. Good. Let's get let's get out and get back. So we came back and... Um, not long after we we were going through the town of Assisi. 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 You know Assisi. Oh yeah, so that's on the next phase up. That's once Rome yeah, fallen. Well, well, we're gone. We're gone. We're plodding all the way up. You know? Yeah. And we come to Assisi, and they uh, they tell us it's an open town, open city. Right. So we wait, and the Jerry's get out of it, and we walk in. It was a nice, nice bit of peaceful. So quiet. that's that. I think the Assisi, that sort of very end of July, nineteen forty-four. Oh yeah. That sort of time. Well, anyway, I know we came across Assisi. Then we kept going up mountain. You've got... Jerry used to get up on top of a mountain. Yeah. And he'd shoot at you coming up. And you, you had a job getting up there. Yeah, of course. And eventually... Eventually, we, we, we'd go through one mountain after another. Yeah. It's a continual battle. It's starting to show on my nerves. I'm getting a bit shaky. And we come to Florence. And I'm in... That's I'm the beginning in, of August. Eh? That's the beginning of August, 1944. Well, I'm in a suburb called uh, San San Andrea. Right. I think San Andreas. <clears throat> and uh, it's a big, long terrace of houses. Now, Florence was another open city, but the suburbs weren't. Right. And we moved in on the suburb. Up there's a castle, and Jerry's sitting in that castle. He can see everything, mm-hmm. but he can't see where we are because we've sneaked in quietly. He doesn't know which house we're in on that terrace. I tell the lads, I said, right, we stay here. Don't anybody move. Don't do anything. Are you still a lance corporal at this point? Still a lance corporal. I'm doing. I'm leading a section into battle. I'm doing everything a corporal does. Yeah. This is where height comes in. Yeah. You see, they don't promote little fellas like me. Right. But we do the jobs. Yeah. We we get it. I'm in the, I'm in this terrace house when we're section. And suddenly Jerry starts, what was that happened? Oh, yeah. 
I've got the men posted in case any Jerry comes along. Suddenly a bloke turns up, way back there, comes round a circle, semicircle. Mm -hmm. well, no, he hasn't got his hands up, carrying his equipment, German uniform. And he comes right next, uh, right past our house. And we've got one nut in my section. He's got to be smart. And he shouts at him, Handy hoch. And he says, right, goes out, pulls him in round the side alley. The next minute, all hell lets loose. This chap was Polish. He said he was forced into the German army. Yeah, he probably was. And he'd managed to get away. What he really didn't tell us was that the Germans had sent him. Ah. Signal where they are. Ah. And they belted the daylights out of us. Ah. And I got everybody out of that house, fast. When you get outside, somebody says, where's Obadiah? I called him Obadiah. He was a bloody squad idiot. Every idiot's got its own squad. Every squad's got its own idiot. Yeah. And Obadiah is still missing. So I go dashing back into the building, see if I can find him, in case he's injured. I go from one room to another, and as I go from that room to another, shell hits it, bang, bang, bang. And uh, in the end, I'm cowered in a corner, and I'm praying like the clappers, you know. And what do you pray when you're getting shelled? Please, God, send Cheeky Charlie. Send Cheeky Charlie. Do you know that one? No. Please, God, send Cheeky Charlie. You lie there and they're banging all around you, the roof's coming in, and you think you had your lot, and suddenly you hear the sound of a little old two-winged biplane with its propeller, and its feet sticking down, and it comes over, and he's, he hovers, and Jerry stops firing, because Jerry knows that he can see him. And Cheeky Charlie was godsend to us. Right. Anyway, uh, Cheeky Charlie came and I got out. And Obadiah had gone down to the river Arno, the river Arno. He'd gone down there for something, washed something or another, and silly plunk out. I'm busy risking my life to find him. Anyway. <laughs> what happened to the what happened to the Polish German guy you captured? Eh? What happened to the German you captured? Oh, he was a, he was a, he was Polish. Polish guy. What he happened he was just sent back to a, a Polish camp, right? Yeah, you know that was they, they just did that with them. You know, mm. you, you'd be interrogated. Yeah, that, we wouldn't know about that bit. Then we went on from there up. And it must I, be really hot by now, isn't it? I can't remember. You don't notice the weather, right? You you no you don't notice, even notice if it's raining. Eventually, after one or two things like that, like I'm telling you. Mm. I can't, I can't, I can't sort of describe everyone. No. But we, I end up at the Gothic Line. Yes. Now the Gothic Line was murder. Yeah, I bet. And we're up, up on way up in the hills. We're getting shelled and stomped and one thing and another. We can't move. We can't break. Can't break, Jerry. We come back a little bit back from the front. We've got our slit trenches there, looking out. But back here we dig. <coughs> little tunnels in the in the side of the hill, so we can get in there and go to sleep. You know, someplace mm -hmm. to, when it's time to time to go to sleep. There's your bed. Now I'm up there, and I've got myself a lovely little cavern. And suddenly Jerry's shelling us, right? And it collapses, and I get a boulder belt on my leg, and I'm carried back down to base on a on a on an ass, um, a mule, all the way down. Jerry's shelling us. Going along a little side of the hill, two or three thousand feet drop. I'm in a stretcher on one side, another bloke on the other side. And we get down, Florence, 
Florence to fly me down to Naples. Right. And I'm in hospital. Wow. I can see Vesuvius. Had you, had you broken anything? Hey? Had you broken any bones? No. See, there's Florence. I can see Ven- Venice, Vesuvius. Yeah. I can see Pompey ruins. Mm-hmm. Have I broken any bones? No. But you think I'm going to start wiggling this leg and say, I'm all right. I'm going to have a couple of days rest. Because <laughs> we all did that yeah. after time. You didn't do it, yeah. anything medically wrong. You limped a little bit, you know, so that they would say, well, well, we'll go sit down, you know, sit down, <laughs> take a rest. <laughs> I get it. I went back to a big hospital near Florence, near, near, mm-hmm. which was originally an orphanage, apparently. Right. And um, it overlooked Pompey ruins. And the matron there took a great liking to me, and she said, she used to talk to me. Then one day she said, I'm, I'm sending you to the nerve specialist. I said, what for? Well, she said, your nerves are shocked to pieces. I said, oh, oh, well, that's good, good, you know, I've done my bit. <laughs> Time I had a change. She sent me to the nerve specialist down at Amalfi. And uh, I said, he examined me, and then he said, wait there a minute, and he got up. I said, what, what, he said, I'm going to give you a, dis- I'm going to give you a, a, drop your grade, your medical grade. So off he went, oh, and I said, what for? He said, on your nerves. Right. Off he went. Before, in a little while, I get up and I walk, walking down the corridor, and I meet him. He said, "Where are you going?" I said, "Well, I said I'm just thinking. I want you to drop my grade on medical, but not on nerves." And I walked out, and I walked, and I went to transit camp. And the transit, the transit camp, I see a nice little notice that said, "Paratroops wanted." So I thought, "Ah." So no regrets about leaving the infantry then. I'd had enough. I'd really had a gutful. When you was that the responsibility of leading the section and always having to be the front man, do you think? What? Well, do you, I mean, you've, yeah, yeah, you've yeah, seen yeah. a lot of fighting. You've seen you, the whole diadem yeah. battle. Yeah. And, and then there's the battles going up. Then there's the Trasimino line battle before a CC. Then there's Florence. You know, there's a lot going on. That's right. You, you, got, you got all this and you, it's, it wears you down and you're in charge. And you've got to see those men are okay. When 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 you finish that battle, and you you used to go, about two weeks in action, one week out. Right. And they, I'll tell you a story about that. And you used to when when you came out, you didn't get much rest in that week. No. Because you had to make sure they were all correct and everything about them. And um, so it's quite a heavy responsibility. But yeah, and you're still only. And secondly, 18, you, you 19, didn't dare, you didn't dare show fear. No. You could be, you could be, I, I used to, we might be marching along, going up the line or something, or, or something like that, or we might be in the middle of a battle, but we're moving forward. And I used to, I used to feel, the, the lads are scared because Jerry could be waiting for you. Yeah, and there could be booby traps and all sorts of things. It could be anything. And you're walking along this road, and I knew that I could feel, I, I would look back, and I could see the fear in their eyes. You could see it. They were scared. Mm. So was I. But they're looking to you, aren't they? No. You don't think so? But wait a minute. I used to take my pipe out, fill it up, put it there, light it up, turn round. And I didn't know I was doing this. I just used to do that. And I met a chap in Glasgow years after. And he said, we always remembered you used to light your pipe and then turn round. And we used to know we're all right. (laughs) 
Wow. And that was amazing. And that was at five foot two. Yeah. And yet they still, they just wanted somebody there. It didn't matter who it was. Anyway, I, uh, I put in for the paratroops. A hundred of us. Yeah. Everybody wants to get into the paratroops. This is after Arnhem. Everybody wants to get in that. There's a hundred of us and we're lined up. And the door opens and two blokes walk in. And they're wearing red berries. And from the distance I can see they've got a funny cap badge. And they come forward and they say, We're from the SAS. The Canadian voice. And we couldn't, we, none of us knew what the hell SAS was. So what's this? This is about October, November 1944 or something like that? This would be, yes, coming up towards... The end of 44. end of 44. And, and you're still down in the Naples way? Eh? You're still down Naples way, are I'm you? I'm coming up from Naples into a transit camp. Probably and, back at, is that back at Caserta I'm, or further north? It'd be, be Caserta area. Yeah, sure. And I'm picking up transport <coughs> yep. to take me back to the Argyles. Right. Right. But anyway, I put my name down for that, and that, that sort of, most of them were, like everywhere, giving themselves a couple of days' grace. Oh, yeah, we can't move him yet, he's down for the Paris. Right. Anyway, it's these two blokes come in, big tall guards, well, he was in the guards originally, he was a sergeant major, and this off a Canadian captain. We're from the SAS. And we're all looking at each other, what the hell is SAS? Never heard of it. In the end, he, he, then he elaborates a little bit later, he says, the Special Air Service, we drop small groups of men in behind the enemy lines, or raiding parties. I'm coming along the line now and ask you if there's anything you want to say. Ask anything you, anything you have that you know you could use with us. But now we're all getting the hang of it. He walks along the line and, oh, Colin, Blokes there, they could dismantle a tank blindfolded, they could do yep. this, they could do everything. Comes to me, and I said, well, I've got nothing to offer you. I said, I'm an infantryman, and I said, that's all I can sell you. So with that, I said, OK, Scotty, and on he went. And I'm wearing a Scots hat. Then he said, I'm coming down the line and ask you if there's any questions you want to ask me. Come down the line and you could hear them. How much more money do we get? Where do we do our training? Ba 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 ba. All the mercenary things. It comes to me. <clears throat> yes, Scotty. I said, at my height, would you have a parachute that would bring me down and not take me further up? I thought, <laughs> if I act stupid, I won't be. You know, he'll ignore me, because I didn't want to know this thing. Yeah, you were. You were interested. By I've that had point. enough. They're dangerous jumping in. Anyway, I don't mind going in with the paras, but I'm not going with this lot. So he just looked at me and said, we've got parachutes for dogs, Scotty, for you, for the likes of you, Scotty. Oh, we've got a dog parachute for the likes of you, Scotty. And off he went. I thought, that's me out. Next so day, just, sorry, just, just to go back, so the, the notice was up on the, on the transit camp, was it? On the camp, I remember, they were recruiting for the paratroops. Yeah, so, so you're at this transit camp. Transit camp, yeah. And where do you see this notice? On the office notice board. Okay. Yeah, and that's in a tent, is it, or is it in a building? That was a bit of a, a bit of a Nissan hut, I should think. I yeah. Don't know. Okay. Yeah. yeah and, I'm uh, sort of picture it in my mind's eye. Uh, and uh, anyway, he uh, next day, notice goes up out of the hundred odd. They picked ten of us. I was one of them. <laughs> Were you cursing? I went on operations with them. So how did that? So so what then happened? So you you got the notice. Eh? You got the notice, so obviously then you've got to do the training, haven't you? 
Oh, I've got to do the training. We, we went, we moved up to near, near Leghorn. And the first thing we noticed when we drove into the camp, we are sitting on the back of a truck. And as we drive into the, the SAS camp, we noticed the difference of attitude. Everybody walking about, hands in pocket. Yeah. Blokes are walking past officers, not saluting. Yeah. Officers are turning around and say, Charlie, yes, Gov. And casual. Yeah. They're dressed, walking about, hands in their pockets. None of the military. So anyway, uh, we go there and we go through training. Four parachute jumps, three by day, one by night. How did you find those? I used to drift. Once I left that plane... And I was always second, because they put me number two. Right. Number one was another little Scots lad. Yeah. And he he had been in the paratroops. And he'd been south of France. He dropped in. And he went, he was put first, because he knew how to jump. Right. I was put second, because he said, you're lighter. You'll travel further. Travel further. I used to, I used to be miles away. The, the officer and uh, the, despite all the, the, the group, uh, the training group, would be standing down there with a megaphone, you know. Number three, put your feet together. Number three, you know. Number two, do this, do that. Pull that ring in number six, you know. That's yeah, yeah. And then one day, one of the jumps, I'm coming down and I look down and they're all busy shouting away and I shout, Oi! Look down, they all look up. There's my little feet coming down right on top of them. That's how far I used to drift. Right. So, and anyway, we went through the training, we went through all the different things, and we were rushed how to use explosives. Yeah. How to kill somebody with a knife. Did you find all that quite interesting? Oh, this was a new regiment to me, mate. Yeah. This was interesting. Yeah. This I really liked. Oh, so you were pleased in the end. Oh, yeah. Well, I've got to tell you, why I said to this captain... Sometime after after the war, like, yeah. why did you pick me? Yes, I was about to ask you that. And he said, I liked your attitude. You showed you couldn't care less. I said, oh, thank you. <laughs> the sergeant major butted in. He said he was also wearing a flipping Scots hat at the time at the time. He said, this, this Canadian officer, MacDonald, Came from Nova Scotia in Canada, right. and he, he, if you were wearing a, a Scottish hat, you were in. <laughs> uh-huh, <laughs> that was part so of the thing. That, that was the joke that went around. Hello, and welcome to the Football Writers Association podcast, Press Box Confidential. I'm Paul McCarthy, and every week I'll be joined by two guests. We're at the heart of covering one of the major football stories of the past 30 or so years. In this episode, to what is still one of the most infamous Premier League moments, Eric Cantona's astonishing Kung Fu kick at Selhurst Park. You can see this guy start from right at the top of the, of the steps, just come running down, obviously to give him an earful, and Cantona stops again and turns and suddenly he's in the crowd. The size of Cantona, he looked like an actor. He looked like a film star, which of course he's now gone on to become. Here, he acted like he was in an action movie. He didn't just move to the stand and give some abuse back. He sort of, you know, twisted his body as if he'd watched Hong Kong Fui or Bruce Lee or something like that, and suddenly lashed out his legs. It was to become a massively significant moment in English football. Get the story behind the story. Press Box Confidential. New episodes every Tuesday.
You must have made mates in the Gordon Island. Yeah, and the made, well, one got killed. Right. One great mate of mine, he'd been at Lanark with me, he was yeah. a storekeeper at Lanark. He was 27 when I was 18. He was a storekeeper at Lanark when I was stationed there yeah. as an instructor. And when I get out to Italy, he's there. Right. And when we go into the Battle of Casino, I'm trying to find out. Remember I told you I lost, I got separated. Yes. And I'm making my way back. And I come to him at the, comp the part of the company where Ginger should be. And I said to somebody, I said, have you seen Ginger? He said, yeah, he's sitting over there. I said, oh, is he asleep? He said, no, he's dead. Oh, no. Ginger was 27, married, came from Lancashire. And... Uh, what had I, happened to him? Well, he got buried eventually, he died. No, but I mean, he was hit by... I mean, he was... Could have been a sniper, it could have been anything. Right. He was standing in the slit trench, and the next minute he suddenly said, the bugger's got me, and he sat down and died. Wow. And I wrote a poem about him, because when I first met him, and the only time I knew him, he always had a grin on his face. Right. Smile on his face that, uh, that, that welcomed everybody. And when he died... There was still a smile on his face that marked the place where he and his maker met. Wow. And uh, he was dead. And but how did you, I mean... And he was one of the reasons why nobody would go, nobody would hit me because he was my pal. Right. If anybody started pushing around, Ginger would step in. Right. Right. But, but did you, I mean, you started off, you were saying you were quite sort of gung-ho and you had youthful uh, bravado, uh, but... But once you go through the baptism of fire... Everything's a bit different. Uh, you start to get adult caution. Right. In fact, you get so much... That's why this matron at the hospital was going to put me in for, for nervous things. You got to that point that if you're walking down the road and you hear something go, you dick, you, you hit the ground. Yeah. Everywhere you go, you're looking there, see where the enemy is. And you've got a third eye that says, where do I go if he starts shelling me? Mm. Starts sniping me. And I suppose also you just see terrible things, don't eh? you? And you just wit you're witness to terrible things. Oh, you're witness to all sorts of things, yeah. One of the funniest things was you used to see was dead cattle. Right. Lying on their back with their feet up. Yeah. And having been on farm work, you know, and I used mm. to, that was terrible. Of course, the stink's terrible after a while. Yeah. Uh, and it sort of get, that that smell sort of just gets everywhere, doesn't it? You can't oh, you can't escape it. Bomb. I could smell that yards away. Yeah. I'd be walking down the road. And, oh, dead body around here. Yeah. You wish to see Germans dead there, and uh, you see. And did you ever? I mean, there was a. I know people used to go around. There, there were some people who couldn't help. You know, whenever they'd see a dead German, they'd rifle through for. You know, pistols and bayonets and. You know, watches and stuff. What of of dead enemy soldiers? Oh, if you could see anything like that, there was sabers, was keeps. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yes. Booty. Uh, but the only trouble was, of course, Jerry would have somebody dead lying there. Yeah. With maybe a load of Italian money sticking out of his pocket. Right. And Billy Muggins comes along. <laughs> A sniper up there waiting for him. Right. Gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you have to be careful. You had to be very careful. 
And what about what about the conditions in in life? I mean, how did you find? I mean, when you got out there, you'd have been in wearing battle dress, presumably. What in Italy? Yeah, in the sash to start off with. Well, you're in the SAS. No, not in the SAS. When you when you first get out to Italy, presumably you're wearing battle dress. Oh yeah, you're wearing battle. And what, what, how did you find that? It was okay. Yes, you never changed from that. But it was perfectly comfortable. It was okay. It was a blouse. Yep. Trousers, and uh, you wore putty little little yeah leggings. canvas putties. Yeah. Now when you were in the SAS, you got American boots because they were rubber soled. Yes. So you could creep around. Putties. You know where they are? Yeah. You wind them round. Yeah. You wore them. You had a pair of trousers with a dirty great big pocket here. Yeah. For your maps. Were they woolen, serge ones or cotton? Eh? Were they serge, wool or, or cotton, the ones well, you had? Well, it's the same material as this, I think. Yeah. Serge, almost. Oh, uh, none didn't shine. Yeah. This shines a bit, doesn't it? But yeah. It didn't. yeah. Um, there was... Um, and in the sash, of course, we had what you call your escape kit. Yes. Have you ever, I, I'm sorry I haven't kept mine. My grandson's in the army and he pinched it. <laughs> well, he wanted it cause, yeah. and he shows it to the... Well, that's fair enough. He shows it to the others. And uh, there's a couple of little compasses about that, about that size. Yes. And you show them in parts of your... There we go, you know. Yeah. Uh, with a little little piece of metal, about an inch long, and about a quarter of an inch wide, <coughs> with a hole in the middle. Right. And a white dot and two dots, and you put a bit of string in that and hold it up, and that tells you where north is. Right. You've got a, a little piece of uh, hacksaw. Yep. Which might might be wrapped in, just casually looking like it's a bit of cardboard, or it might be in a, in a comb. In the thing of a comb, and what you did was you lit the comb, and you got the hacksaw ready. You got a little fishing thing, a little cardboard thing with yes green twine round it, yeah, with a hook, yeah, for fishing. You you had a map, silk, pure silk, which you sewed into your trousers, right, along there under the under the thimby bob. And that's, that's, your, that's ready for your escape. You've got about half a dozen maps, big maps, paper maps. That's in case you need them when yep. you, if you do have to escape. You also got tablets that keep you awake. Oh, Benzedrine. And are you given the order if you're caught, if you're about to be caught and you've no other way of getting out of it, take a lot because you're not going to live. Right. Because Jerry shot. Every SAS man he caught, except the Colonel Sterling. Yeah, he ended up. I, in I'm glad you've written he? about him. Yeah. And uh, Paddy Main. I've met the pair of them at reunions, you know. Right. But and. Um, and were you given? Were you also given a Denison smock? Oh yeah. So you had the Denison smock, not the battle dress. You had the, the first time I've heard that word, Denison smock. You're given. You got a jumping jacket. You yep. got a. You got a, an ordinary thing. You've also got a jumping jacket. Which is a sort of cotton pattern thing. It's just thin. Yeah. And it's got a strap that comes under That's here. That's it, yeah. You put that, you got that, and then you when you, when you land, you can either you keep it or get throw it away. Same with your parachute. You're supposed to get dispose of it once mm. you land. One thing you got to remember, the sash was, it was no joke. It was no sort of easy going thing. It, it was dangerous. Yeah. We were fortunate that where we landed, 
There was a whacking great load of party signs. That's what we went into do. There were two or three. We were never told what we were doing for the very simple reason that if you got caught, you might start blabbering. Sure. So you didn't know everything. Right. But our Captain MacDonald had been dropped in. So what, what, what part of SAS were you... What was your the, the sort of subunit of the SAS that you were attached to? Just an ordinary unit. No. Uh, but you were, you, I mean, was it, was it squadrons? Oh, what do you mean? Uh, the, the, the SAS is built up with... There's one was, SAS, two SAS, and uh, there's all sorts. Yes. Three SAS was the French. Yep. You start with what you call a stick. Yes. A stick is five men. Right. Now, do you know why it's five men? No. William Wallace, at the Battle of Stirling Bridge, centuries ago, yeah. he took every five men and made a sixth. So that five men, a fighting unit, and Colonel, Colonel Stirling, who came from not that way, have you ever, you know where he came from? Alawa, up. He came from up up, uh, up near Stirling. Right. And uh, <coughs> he designed his men on William Wallace's five men right. and one man in charge. Right. And um, five men, that, that's a stick. Yeah. Now you've got, that, oh, maybe a, maybe a corporal in charge of a stick. Yeah, sure. Like two corporals in the infantry, well, a corporal, uh, you got one, two, three, maybe six sticks, five sticks make a platoon. Yep. And then so many platoons make a company. Yep. And uh, that's that's the way we were. Um, and can you remember what yours was? I think it was against C Company. Right. I keep getting I keep getting the C Company everywhere I go. Right. <laughs> uh, I think it was C Company. Right. Anyway, we we dropped in at night. And, uh, so when would this have been? Early 1945? Just the beginning of 1945. Yep. I'm in the SAS just before 45. And this is still in the Apennine? Yep. This is still in the mountains? Oh, they're, they're still locked. Now, that's what I'm going to say. Now, we came in. We had another sex squad. An officer and a corporal yep. used to drop in ahead of you. Yep. Arrange with the partisans or anybody around. Yep so that you could have a place to drop the rest of the squad, you see? Yeah. And he would be responsible for nighttime one, two, three, four, five flares right. in a certain pre-arranged design. During the day, maybe uh, something cloth or parachute or something. And um, these two had dropped in and got caught. They got tortured and they got shot. And they were up at the Brenner Pass. Ah, right, right up but in the top. They got everything ready. And three planes set off with a stick in each. So we're going to drop 15 men into them, right? right. And this is right up at the Brenner Pass? Right up at the Brenner Pass. In the Pass. South Tyrol? The, 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 the word came back that the officer and corporal had been caught. So the order went out to the aircraft, abandon. The first aircraft didn't get the message. The other two did. Oh, the three aircraft would be two, two sticks, third one with equipment on it right, right? Um, the first one didn't get the message and uh, they dropped them they didn't drop them where they dropped where the corporal and Bob. the pilot I don't know whether it was Polish or American or what he was but he panicked a bit and he dropped them anywhere 
Right. And those six blokes were walking around up in that area until, uh, well, from, from December or so onwards. Right. Running around, being chased. Chased by white Russians more than anything else. Yeah, yeah, there were lots of those up there. Partisans, uh, Italians mm -hmm. and Germans. Now, I, we come along, we were supposed to replace them. Right. And we don't know if we were going to go Brenner Pass or not. Right. But it never came off. But they were, one of those blocks was called Patterson. And when I come along, you've got two Pattersons. Mm. Phonetically, they're the same. The contact is by radio. Right. Which one are you talking to? So I got stuck with McKinnon Patterson, right? Uh -huh. Hence the hyphenated name. Right. <laughs> that's my mother's name, McKinnon. Right. And when I came out of the army, I went to the food office where you used to pick up your ration cards <clears throat> and everything else, right? Yeah. And my wife was a civil servant and she was in charge of the dishing the identity cards and all that out. And when I come up to her and I said, there you she just looked at the name McKinnon Patterson on my SAS papers. Yeah. All my papers were changed. She said, I'm keeping that. I said, no, you can't. I said, that's just for the... I'm keeping that, she said, shut up. <laughs> we weren't even married at the time. Anyway, so I got stuck with that. And that, not that I minded, it was it was a, a bit better than... Yeah, but well, that's why. A little bit of attraction. Anyway, that's... So who was, it, who was the commander? Was that Roy Farron who was the, the commander? No, wait a minute. Roy Farron was the squadron commander. Right. Roy Farron was supposed to be <coughs> in charge of the squadron out in Italy. Yes. And Roy Farron organised one group that was to go on an operation called Tombola. That's right, yeah. And he said to the headquarters, he said, would you mind if I go and see them off? Yep. Oh, no, no, it'd be good for the lads' morale. <coughs> and when he gets out there, he accidentally on purpose falls out. And so he's in charge of Operation Tombola yeah. and he stays behind the enemy lines until the end of the war. Right. And that's Roy Farron. So you didn't really see him? Eh? You, you never really got to see him? I got to see him after. Yeah. When he came back. But who was, in, who was, the, who was, the, who was the commanding officer for you? Well, in Obviously, my, in your particular platoon, company, it was, it was <coughs> McDonald's. Roy Farron was in charge of my squadron. What happened was they took a squadron out from Britain yeah. to Italy. Yes. And that's what Roy Farron was in charge of that squadron. Got you, so he wasn't part of you. But there was three or four, they did three or four operations that right. lot. But then we came along and I've figured, and I know that what they were doing when I joined them, the SAS, they were building up paratroops. Right. And they were building up paratroops for a special reason. They were going to try and drop another Arnhem behind yeah. the Gothic line. Yes. Right. And we were going in. Yes. Now, the trouble was the partisans, Captain McDonald went in and surveyed around with the SOE. I've got a book on it there. Uh, the SOE. And he uh, he found that the partisans, communists, democrats, yeah. wouldn't cooperate. Right, no. And he was sent in to try and make them cooperate, get them to cooperate, but he couldn't. Right. 
So they thought they would drop us in, and I think I think our basic idea was really to try and survey and find a dropping zone for a full-scale Arnhem drop. Right. Because they were recruiting down at Naples, and so why why what they recruiting for? But but but. Um, Major, Mac- Major McDonald or Captain McDonald? Captain McDonald. Captain McDonald was your my CEO. company. He was your CEO. And, and your unit was... But, but who was overall in charge of the SAS in Italy at that time? Well, Colonel Sterling had been captured. Yes. Paddy Main... Had gone off to Europe. I think had taken over Northern yeah. Europe. We were in charge of Farron because we were... We were the SAS 3 Squadron in Italy. And Roy Farron was CEO. We were dropped in with Lieutenant Phil and, and ten of us. And we, we, we landed away up in the high mountains. So this is up near the Brenner Pass? No. This is on the Gulf Oh, Island. Oh, sorry, sorry. We're over near Genoa now. Ah, okay. <coughs> and yes. Brenner Pass is dropped. Yes, so you're, you're near between those mountains, the, the Ligurian we're mountains. At Genoa. So that's the Ligurian Apennines. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the between French, Piacenza and Genoa. French borders there. Yeah, I know. And we're just north of Genoa. Yeah, like, a little right. town called Castino, and there's a town called Alba. Mm-hmm, yeah, I know. And that was that was where we were going to do this big dropping zone, but right. we never got told that. So you were scheduled to go to the Brenner Pass, but you never did. I think first, I think originally they were going to have another go at the Brenner Pass, and they changed their mind. Right. But but then again, it became more important to try and hit. And this was line. this was before the last great offensive in in April beginning of April 1945. Right. right. So this is preliminary just before, operations behind and, the lines. But then the Gothic line falls chaos. Yeah. We are in there now. Once the Gothic line breaks. Yeah. We are in there watching what could be a civil war. Yeah, of course. Between the two political parties. Yep. So we're in there, and Captain McDonald and, and the SOE officer are going round telling them, the partisans, if you don't behave, I'll turn the sass boys on to you, you know. Because we helped them capture Alba. Alba's an old name for Scotland, you know. And um, So you were involved in the, in the capture of Alba, were you? Oh, yeah. Well, we gave them support. We, didn't, we, we were crafty. We got the partisans to take it, and we got them to cooperate together. Right. And they went into Alba... I had to go in twice. First right. time they couldn't get in. Right. Jerry was in Italians, Italian Mussolini, they were putting up strong resistance. Yep. So the first time they they, they they pulled back. The second time we managed to break through, Alba fell. Mussolini was at about that time, he was stuck up on the Alps somewhere. Captured by the partisans. That's right. Yeah, he was fleeing north from north was, of Lake Como. There was one one bloke at uh, Hungary, an Austrian, had flown in and picked him up and got That's him right, out. That's right, Scorzani. That was the previous. That was in forty three. What was his name? Scorzani. Or Otto Scorzani. But then Mussolini was captured again. Yep. And he was dressed up with a bandage round his face to hide him or something. But he was wearing a German Luftwaffe's uniform. Was that what it was? Yeah, he was captured in an armoured car. It was a he was column. Ca- captured. Yeah, yeah, so they, they were fleeing north into Switzerland. Yeah. Um, it, north of Lake Como. And, well, anyway, if if things had gone the way they should have gone, yeah. you would be quoting me. <laughs> because we were told, get on the truck. Because we had this truck. Five of us got on the truck. Right. We were, we were ten of us 
are not in the, in the group. Oh, they're made up to 30 in the end. Right. But there were 10 of us, but five of us got on the truck, ready. Yeah. What were we going on the truck for? The partisans have cornered Mussolini, and you're going up to arrest them and bring them back. No. Wow, where's the story to tell? Yeah, yeah. They were sitting there waiting, waiting, and then the officer come out and said, forget it, they've shot him. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Yeah. And uh, I would love to have been on that arresting party. But anyway, uh, oh, they, they they shot him and took him to Milan, Milan and hung That's him up and all the rest of it. But uh, we we helped the partisans capture quite a lot of ground there. Mm. But we had to be very, very careful because we were helping them. But what they were doing was they were grabbing that territory. This yep. is for the Communist Party. This is for the Democrats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the end, and the war is finished, but the partisans are still loggerheads. I, uh, Captain MacDonald had got a horse, I managed to get a, borrow a horse of some of the part of one of the locals, or a horse in a buggy, and used to trick around in that when he wanted to. And um, I don't know if I should tell you the story of my little girl. We were, we were, lodged in a little school yeah. in a small town called Castino. And we used to go to the albergo, you know, the, the guest house, for dinner. And we got fed up going there and getting spaghetti and parachutes and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And we asked the, told the, the officer, Lieutenant Feld, can't we get some decent grub? Well, right, I'll send for some. So he sent for some. And he was parachuted into us. Great big canisters. Oh, lovely. We get, we get it, we take it down to the albergo where the landlady did the cooking. And two or three days later, we're still munching blooming spaghetti. So we went down and said, what's the problem? I don't understand these. No, there, was, there were no instructions on them, a lot of them, because it was those days when they didn't have paper wrappers around them, weren't they? Yeah. But we had McConaughey's and yeah. all this rice pudding and oh, mm -hmm. right, a real load of stuff. Anyway, uh, oh crikey, that's 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 a, that's blooming useless. Nobody to do the cooking. Well, I'm, one Sunday afternoon, because we didn't do much travelling on the Sunday, because the partisans wanted to go to church. We, we were all lying in the bunk. I got up, I got fed up with this. I went down to one of the women in the town, two or three doors down. I said, you know, aqua, bolero, per tasa, tea, water, hot water for a cup of tea. Oh, she, 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 off she goes. Next thing she shouts, ready, you know, and I go down. She's done a great big bucket full, boiling hot water. <laughs> I thought, oh, crikey. Oh, and I took it back to the school, put some tea in, put some sugar in, put some dried milk in, stirred it up, and I shouted, anybody want a cup of tea? And they came from miles around. Oh, really? Everybody wanted a cup of tea. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Do you look out for more? Uh, there'll be a couple more in the next few weeks. Uh, but in the meantime, cheerio for now.